Hello and welcome to another episode of The First Incision, a CMF podcast, where we discuss topics at the interface of faith and medicine that affect our Christian lives in today's world. I'm your host, Dr. James Howitt, and I have with me today Dr. Lawrence Crutchlow. Lawrence, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, And we're going to be talking today about moral contraception. Uh, So Lawrence is the Associate Head of CMF Student Ministry uh, and is also a GP working from South West London. Uh, I'm going to start off by asking you, first of all, why are we talking about contraception at all? What's the kind of the the point about this topic and, and what are the kind of the major viewpoints within it? It's a big topic and it's something that affects nearly everyone. Let's just think within the medical profession, first of all, there's very few specialisms that won't deal with contraception in Mm. some way. The average geriatrician probably gets to avoid it. But actually, even people like a surgeon, you wouldn't think of contraception, but the contraceptive pill can increase the risk of DVT after surgery, for example. So it's not just something for the GP or the sexual health expert, it's it's much wider. Also, of course, we're more than just doctors, we're people. Uh, many of us will be married and may not wish to uh, have a pregnancy at a particular time. So there's a personal thing about contraception, I think, for most of us as well. Mm. Sometimes, of course, our friends also assume that we're the fount of all knowledge about medicine. And even if we're a medical student very early on in our training, people assume that we probably understand contraception quite well, whether that's true or not. Um, okay, so can you give me an idea? What are the, the kind of major differing viewpoints within kind of the, the Christian faith uh, with regards to contraception? Well, of course, there's the question as whether it should be used at all, um, which differs perhaps across Catholic and Protestant traditions and has done, you know, through the history of the church. Uh, There's questions about who might use contraception. Uh, If you believe that sex is for married couples, that then leads you to question, well, what do you do in a situation where someone wants contraception but isn't married, Mm. which is one of the most common ones these days? There's also the question of what contraceptive you might use because they act in different ways at different times. So your view on the ethics of very early life will influence that. So first of all, let's talk about then, should we be using contraception at all? Um, Obviously, modern contraception wasn't around when the Bible was written, so it's difficult for there to be any kind of deliberate um, writings on it. But are there any particular things from the Bible we can learn about this? Well, many people talk about the very first chapter of the Bible where uh, Adam and Eve are told to fill the earth and subdue it. And that could be taken both ways, couldn't it? Some people see that as applying very literally today and Mm. see it as a strong argument against using contraception. Others might say that with a world population well into the billions, that that command has more than been fulfilled by humanity. Uh, And others might say that for Christians in the New Covenant era, that perhaps has more to do with growing the church now than it does with numbers of people. Um, it's interesting that the Catholic Church still maintains at least an official line that is quite against artificial contraception. Uh, if you look back, Protestant denominations used to do much the same, but that's very much changed over the last hundred years or so, um, and most would have a much more open line about that now. Are there particular things that have driven that change, do you think, from the, kind of the divergence between the Protestant and Catholic Church? I think some of that's been responding to new technologies as they've come along. So we have to think, you know, only perhaps uh, 60 or 70 years back, there were very few uh, methods of contraception beyond barrier methods that could could easily be used. Um, so I think it was something that the church probably had to respond to. It's something where thinking had to be done. Um, and it's something where perhaps people's ideas about the size of the family changed. One suspects that some of the positions we used to hold might have been cultural as much as they were biblical. Okay. So 
I mean, there's something you've touched on a little bit already, but does the Bible give us any indication about who should be using contraception? And kind of talking here for more of a, a personal thing rather than a, a rather than the medical professional for a minute. Yeah, we have to step back a little bit, of course, and I suppose think who should be having sex with each other if we're going to answer that question. Of course, the scripture sees that as uh, married couples uh, and not anybody else. So the sort of black and white answer would be uh, married couples who are married should be those who would be using contraception if anybody would be. Of course, out there in the world, we know that that's not the case. Many people live together for long periods without being married and still form things that are you know, family units in, in any other sense. And of course, we know that many uh, younger people you know, would have sex with each other and not be married to one another. Um, in an ideal world, that might not be the case. But that's how it is, and one thing we have to think through as Christian doctors is how we respond to that situation, how much do we engage with uh, things that are going on around us that we might not be that comfortable with, but are the reality of what's happening day to day and what we're seeing in our surgeries. Okay. So first of all, uh, let's talk a bit about the different methods of contraception then. So um, what what methods should we be using? How do kind of the viewpoints vary and the kind of the methods of action of these different types of contraception? So this will come down to what you think about the status of the very early human embryo. That's something where there's not been a complete consensus in CMF uh, in the past or even probably now. Um, Do you have a personal um, yeah, kind of... Yeah, I think there's two major viewpoints. I, w- I would very much lean towards the idea that life starts at conception. Um, the reason I think that is certainly the Bible pushes us towards a very early definition of the start of life. We see uh, Jeremiah, for example, called before he was born, actually. Okay, God's outside of time, so that might not show us everything. Psalm 139 talks about God being part of the process uh, in our mother's womb when we're knitted together. Those aren't absolute proofs, but they do suggest a continuity in God's relationship with us um, that goes back very early. And it's, to me, quite hard to logically pin that point anywhere other than the moment of conception. And if we are getting it a little bit wrong, of course, we'd perhaps be much safer to give the benefit of the doubt and pick a point that's a bit early than a bit late. More kind of erring on the side of caution Indeed. than, than yeah. taking risks. No, I yes. Understand. The other major viewpoint would be uh, starting life at the implantation of an embryo into, a, into the womb. Why is that relevant about contraception? Well, some methods act to prevent conception. And some methods may act to prevent implantation. If you believe life begins at conception, that can make it difficult to think about how you could use methods that would block implantation and still be doing that ethically. Because mm. there's a number of, of contraceptives, isn't there, that actually the, the method of action isn't completely understood and they, they may act in some way and, and, and in another and, and likely act in both. Isn't that right? This is one of the difficulties in that the science is not completely clear. This is not perhaps an area that the scientific community or the drug companies have been that worried about researching because if, if this area of ethics isn't important to you, it's not an important distinction. If it works, why bother type thing? Uh, indeed, yes. And so there is a lot of uncertainty out there some things are very obvious in terms of uh, of which methods will work when but some things much less so so um methods can you talk us through the methods that are that would definitely act before um before conception then so if we start with uh, barrier methods, such as things like condoms, uh, etc., these very obviously uh, prevent a conception from happening. Um, abstinence, of course, does that. Um, Sterilisation, less used than it was, uh, should do that. So those sort of methods you know, would clearly be completely safe, so to speak, for someone who was convinced that life began at conception. 
Lots of other methods are most likely to act that way the vast majority of the time, and in that would include contraceptive implants, long-acting injections, uh, and indeed the oral contraceptive pill when taken as prescribed. That's key, all, I imagine, yes, isn't it? The, uh... Uh, we all know, don't we, that not everyone takes every medicine exactly as prescribed. I think most doctors probably uh, fall into that as well. Um, I think it's about 50%, isn't it, patient compliance with medication? I is that's is estimated true. around. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, that's how those methods work. First and foremost, it is possible, of course, that those methods may well be using a block on implantation as a backup uh, mechanism. And the decision that we have to come to there is, you know, how how certain do we want to be uh, to decide that something is okay to use or not okay to use when maybe we will never get complete certainty, uh, which may be a personal decision for each of us, I guess. Um, a more controversial one has been these the so-called morning after pill mm. or emergency contraception, and certainly older versions of this were acting to prevent implantation. Levonel, the most commonly used one at the moment, is quite likely to be preventing conception first and foremost when you look okay. at the, the studies that we see, but it's not absolutely certain. Right. Um, so there remains some controversy about that one. Fine. And are there particular um, methods of contraception that that kind of definitely do act kind of after implantation, and actually maybe if we should be avoiding? Yeah. Now many of these are things actually that have begun to be be less well used, but very old-fashioned plastic intrauterine coils, for example, almost certainly did that. Uh, copper coils we think probably prevent conception in most cases but of course most will remember from any reading we've done that ectopic pregnancy is an occasional side effect of these they can't be preventing uh, conception in every single case a lot of older progesterone only pills are more likely to uh, act via implantation as well we think a lot of them generate a sort of plug in the cervix but should sperm pass that they have uh, thickened the endometrium the womb lining so that um they're not going to allow a fertilised egg to implant. Those are probably the major ones. Some older morning after pills uh, would fall into that category as well. Right. Okay. I mean, that's a so that's a that's a, obviously we've talked about a, a lot of different contraceptive methods. There's obviously a lot of choice out there for personal use, but um, also as as professionals, we come to having to prescribe these things and and make decisions that maybe don't have such ramifications on ourselves, but for other people. How do we morally prescribe uh, contraception? This is a difficult balance, isn't it? Because medicine these days is very much not about just telling the patient what you think they should do, uh, but is about listening to them and about forming hopefully a shared management plan that you're both comfortable with. And for many of our patients, these factors we've just been talking about won't be a serious issue. Just occasionally you meet someone who does ask you about this and who sees it as very important, but most of the time not. What we need to do then is work out for ourselves, are there... uh, things that we feel to be so high risk or potentially immoral uh, that we're not willing to get involved with them. Historically there's been quite a lot of Christian doctors very concerned about prescribing a morning after pill particularly with some of the older formulations uh, for that reason you know knowing that it was very likely to uh, act to block an implantation rather than conception perhaps a little bit less of a problem with, with newer formulations that are around. Um, the difficulty, of course, is that if one chooses not to prescribe something, it will affect the relationship you have with the patient, and the likelihood is that patient will get it from somewhere else. Um, and one then has to work out how much uh, do we want to be involved with something we're uncomfortable with, and where do we draw the lines as well. 
I think I've personally found that if there is if there's something that's very clear in terms of the science, it's been reasonably easy to draw a line. You know, I didn't used to prescribe the older morning after pills for that reason. Okay. It's more difficult with something like the combined pill, where we know that the vast majority of the time this is probably fine, but there might be a slight sense in your mind that this isn't quite. And what's the what's the um, the reaction in terms of uh, you know being a conscientious objector to to different kind of contraceptions? How does one go about that? What are the kind of challenges, kind of professionally, that we need to be able to navigate? It's an area that's not that widely recognised. I think uh, the health service in the past has been quite used to many Catholic doctors not being involved in contraception at all. And so it is an option that we can choose it to It certainly kind of has been. There, there was an era where the vast majority of it was done through family planning clinics and mm. there was little need for a GP or anyone else to become involved. That has very much changed and I think it would be very difficult now practically to be a GP and not get involved in contraception at all, mm. uh, although it's theoretically possible. The contract for GPs in the UK does actually specify that uh, surgeries may choose not to provide uh, emergency contraception still, although I know of very few that, that choose not to do that now. Um, but that is still there. There is nothing in law, though. This is purely contractual and employment matter, so this isn't like the Abortion Act, which has a specific conscience provision. There's nothing written down in UK law. Okay. And and obviously, working as a GP, this must be something you, you come up a lot with personally. How, how do you personally draw your own lines, and how do you manage that with, obviously, your patient's expectations, trying to maintain a good rapport, but at the same time hold to your own... Uh, kind of moral and, and Christian kind of compass. It's a big part of our work. You know, even as a male GP in a practice with a pretty even balance of staff, contraceptions are reasonably common uh, conversations I might have. I try to treat it much like any other treatment and find out what the patient's expectations are and what their understanding is. Um, I have generally prescribed to patients who've wanted contraception. You know, whilst I might feel uncomfortable about, for example, a, a teenage couple and would hope that they would delay having intercourse. I know the reality is that they usually won't um, and feel generally that it's more helpful for them uh, to be prescribing, use that as the chance, perhaps to talk a little bit about it if they're willing to as well. In terms of different methods, I've often shared with the patient a little bit of how they might work if they seem to want a conversation about that. Uh, and that occasionally leads someone to say, I'd rather avoid something that you know might work at the implantation stage because occasionally a patient's concerned about this and we would have had no idea if we hadn't have asked the question. Um, what I've usually done then is I've avoided initiating uh, things that I'm not overly comfortable with but that's got easier as time has gone on because most of those methods that we know are likely to act to prevent implantation have become less and less favoured uh, over the last 10 years or so. So I think in some ways the practice of this has actually got easier for the Christian GP concerned about it. Okay and presumably a lot of it is with consistency is making sure that if there's a, a contraception that you have a, a particular uh, objection to being consistent in not prescribing that in any groups rather than maybe targeting your prescribing to certain groups of people that that you that feel is very important mm. yes because we can we can object to a treatment uh, as doctors we cannot object to a patient yes uh, the GMC is clear on that, and I think you know, morally, uh, as a Christian responsible for dealing with the people on my list, I can't provide something for one group of people and not another. No, fair enough, absolutely. Right, okay, so I mean, you've obviously spoken about uh, about maybe using different contraceptive methods to the ones that you would prescribe, um, and there's obviously an element of, of harm reduction there, possibly, saying that, um, uh, that we 
aren't going to we're going to prescribe something that may not necessarily be the most moral option on the basis that it, it improves uh, the harm overall that's done talk us a bit through that and through the maybe the opposing viewpoint to that as well Yes, yeah, so harm reduction comes up in a few areas of medicine, actually. Another one, for example, might be prescribing methadone to someone who's addicted to heroin. Of course. Methadone's a relatively harmful drug, but we'd say it's less harmful than heroin is. So in contraception, the classic argument about this would be preventing unwanted pregnancies, the idea that you know, a contraceptive will prevent that. It's interesting that not all public health doctors would necessarily say it has as much effect as we think it does, and that because the availability of contraception in this country has gone up and up in the last 40 or 50 years but the number of both unwanted and teenage pregnancies has remained relatively high Mm -hmm. um, and increased until perhaps quite recently when numbers have leveled off the opposing argument would be then to say that um, we should stick very much to our moral guns if you like and that we shouldn't do something that we may feel uncomfortable with uh, even if we think it might prevent harm it's essentially saying that the ends don't justify the means necessarily Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of situations in medicine where I think that's quite an appropriate point of view, actually. And if you sit and work out on paper, uh, that can be quite an understandable uh, way to do things. That being said, we have to work our way practically through the people we see. It's a lovely idea to think of medicine sat behind a desk thinking of exactly what we should do. And it's good to do that and to think how can we practice in the most ethical way possible. At the same time, it's very easy doing ethics like that to lose sight of the patient sitting in front of us, which has to be at the centre of everything that we do. Uh, We need to think what that patient will learn about us, what they may learn about our faith uh, from how we do things. And I think in many of these situations with contraception, we're probably, when weighing things up, better trying to reduce the harm uh, than we are not doing. Now we're coming to the end. Would you be able to just kind of summarise for us what we've talked about and and kind of maybe give us a a take-home message that we can can carry through into our week? Yeah, so I think to summarise, contraception is an issue for any Christian doctor or medical student. It's something that we need to think about carefully because, as you might have heard from my answers, there's a lot of grey here. This is not something where I can give a hard uh, black and white ethical line. It's something where we need to remember the patient at the centre of what we do. But it is also something where we need to remember the early human embryos that might be affected by this as well and have them in our minds. In terms of a take-home message, think through carefully Uh, don't forget the people that you're dealing with Um, and you remember life as a gift as well it's easy to get into these conversations and think about preventing conception and sometimes that's quite appropriate let's also remember life is a gift from god that we deal with and finally um people who are listening who are thinking yes i I really like what i've heard i'm kind of still struggling with the issue and i want to go and learn more whereabouts can they turn for more information two particular resources from CMF I would suggest looking at. If you're interested in the whether we should use contraception at all questions and the things that surround that, number 66 in the CMF files, which is published in 2018 and available on the CMF website, gives a really comprehensive discussion of that, much more so than we've been able to do today. Right. If you're interested in the methods, the what acts when questions, that again we've only skimmed the surface of really, CMF's published a booklet called Contraception, a Guide to Ethical Use. Uh, you can purchase that from the bookstore on the CMF website, currently selling for £5, I think. In there are a great number of references to 
studies that back up some of the things I've been talking about uh, and enable you to go away and investigate for yourself. And this looks at what methods act when. Uh, I want to give you some intellectual certainty as much as it's out there um, in understanding that. Great, wonderful. Lawrence, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, have a good week, everyone, and God bless. And uh, we look forward to uh, hopefully having you listen again for the next episode.